Hello. Hello, can you hear me now? I can hear you now. <laughs> I can Dude. sing into my microphone. We've been revamping out. <coughs> Excuse me. We've been re. <coughs> oh dear, Derek. Going to have a wee drink of water. I'm actually in a can of pina colada tonight. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something else there. What's <laughs> <laughs> your can mind out, Dave? Pina colada. Really? You have it. That's quite oh, nice. I've not had a pina colada for ages. Goodness. Oh, dearie, dear. Pina coladas in Cumbernauld. What, what next? We're going all metrosexual in this podcast, <laughs> I've got nothing to say. I've got absolutely nothing to say. Anyway. <laughs> I'll stick with my Pepsi Max, Derek. In the stadium erupts in red, white and blue. You've never seen anything like it. Let's go. Hi everyone and welcome to the next episode of the iReady podcast. As ever, I'm your host Derek and with me is my co-host Dave. How are you doing Dave? Derek, I am back from holidays, refreshed, ready to go. I don't think we've got much to talk about. There's not been much happening at Rangers since we were last on, is there? Not really, you know, I mean just your <laughs> annual manager change it seems to me, so... <laughs> It used to be that we would like it would be like once every sort of ten years or something like that, that that we would have a new manager. Now, unfortunately, it seems as if it's like nearly every year or every two years. So uh, worrying times, but here's hoping that trend is going to stop now. Eh? Yes, I mean certainly from some of the stories that seem to be coming out, then it was really needed. Uh, some yes, of the surprising things that are coming out as well. But we will get into that very shortly. Yes, we've got five games to cover, a lot of news. Uh, Dave, it's probably been nearly a month, I think, since we've had the podcast out. Life gets in the way sometimes. I mean, I've got childcare issues. My wife's starting back work after years of getting to leave. Dave's got his holidays as usual, yes. (laughs) You're so predictable, so yeah. I mean, I have five days holidays. David has 17. (laughs) I'm even using your Sunday name there. Well, do you know what? I, I obviously... I obviously need and deserve these holidays because you know how hard working that I am, Derek. <laughs> I'll crack the jokes, Dave. Aye, uh, okay. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, we've got a lot to cover, obviously. So, we've got to unfortunately start with uh, the very first thing here, which is the very sad passing of an absolute legend of the club. Mary Tiny Gallagher sadly passed a couple of days ago. Worked at Ibrox for 51 years, joined the club in 1967 and retired uh, a short time ago in 2018. Her mother Lizzie Love and her grandmother Maggie Lindsay also worked there, as well as her sister Irene, her husband John. Uh, There was cousins, there was nephews and nieces. It's it's certainly a family affair there. She was invited to Monte Carlo in 2001 to receive a special award from UEFA for her loyal service to the club, was presented with the John Gregg Achievement Award in 2014, and in her final years at the club was a tour guide as well. Much loved by all the players and staff, uh, and uh, certainly fans as well, who met her. Several hundreds, if not thousands of fans met her over the years. Certainly from some anecdotes from other podcasts as well, you know, people would go a span of 10 years meeting her once and she would still remember something that had happened as well. 
we talk about the Rangers family, she absolutely epitomised that. And Rangers just a couple of days ago as well found something in their archives. It was from the Eck era of Rangers and it was a half an hour documentary called Tiny's Team. I'll include the link to the, the YouTube post on our notes for this one here. And, but it's a fantastic watch. Just a, a very, very sad loss. No, definitely, Derek, and that's brilliant that, that you're managing to do that just to give people an insight that know how much she meant to the club and the players, and it must be in the thousands of players now that she, you know, that she, she must have met and she must have, you know, because I was listening to Kevin Thompson last night talking about her. She, she was one of the people that served the players their dinners at one stage, and like absolutely everybody knew her. So, as you say, a sad loss. Uh, a bit of a family legacy that she had at, at Rangers and, you know, as always, our thoughts go out to all our friends and family. Yes, absolutely. Another thing we've got to cover here is also we've got to send our best wishes to Michael Malls as he posted a few weeks ago out the blue that he had just had surgery for a brain tumour. He had been claiming mountains for a charity the week beforehand apparently. He posted a couple of days ago as well that he's getting back to fitness so we certainly hope that all is well and he's well on the road to recovery there but a bit of a shocker that one. It was exactly the same as you, Derek. No no idea. We saw the pictures. I think everybody was shocked, but at the same time, fantastic to see the pictures of him on the exercise bike, saying that he's getting back to full fitness. So, like you said, we just we wish him all the best and hope he gets back uh, 100% healthy and uh, you know back over to see Rangers play soon. Absolutely. So, we may as well go down the tunnel and onto the park. So, Dave, the first thing we've really got to cover is Beal Out. Yeah, Beal Out, Derek. We've been saying it for quite a while now, quite obvious to the fans. I realised that there was a lot of people who were wanting to give them more time. But as the game has went on and on, Derek, the plan become more baffling to all of us. And we didn't know what formation we were playing. The signings they brought in, bar one, I think in the summer have been a complete disaster. And as the game, I think, that you're going to be covering very shortly, I think nearly every Rangers fan out there predicted that this was going to happen in this game because all the players' heads were down and it was quite clear that he had lost the dressing room and the support. Yes. So he got sacked. We all thought it was going to be the same night as the Aberdeen game, which, as Dave said, we'll get into shortly. But it happened the day after. We kind of thought he was going to see out the next couple of games, get to the international break, and then the club would make the decision. But fortunately, they bit the bullet sooner than that. He was questioned about his future after the in the press conference after the Aberdeen game. He didn't really bite back to some kind of pointy questions to him as well. I think he knew, ultimately. Yeah. Also, Neil Banfield, Damien Matthew, Harry Watling and Jack Aid were let go. Also, since this has all happened, he's been kind of biting back on Twitter. He's uh, deleted his Twitter account ever since that because he was met with some abuse after he liked a post praising his record. I mean, I get that the whole situation is raw just now. He hasn't left us in a great place. He himself should be be staying off social media ultimately. But... Let's have sending abuse. Leave that to the orcs from the other side. It's their kind of behaviour. He was trying to do what he thought was right, but he clearly found himself out of his depth. 
the post they actually liked was kind of correct, mind you. It was about his win ratio that was actually outstanding, which we kind of covered in the last episode. But he's failed in the games that really mattered. And when he tried to put a team together with no system, that's ultimately what, what cost him. So in his place in the interim... Steve Davis was in charge for the Limassol and St Byrne games with Alex Ray, Stephen Smith and Brian Gilmer helping out in the coaching role. So Steve Davis said it came from out of the blue. Uh, certainly nobody was from the fan base was expecting that one either, would they? No, but if you think about it, Derek, in the interim basis, someone who has been with the club a long time, still a player with the club, but very well respected by all the the players and staff at Rangers. And, you know, the man that, that, that set the record for the most amount of international caps. He's got all the experience. He's played, he, you know, he's played under Walter. He's played, you know, he's won many trophies with us. So in the interim, I thought it was the, the sensible thing for the board to do. Yeah, certainly. Certainly well respected within the within the club. And you would have thought that the players would have taken some heart from that, but we'll, we'll get to the Limassol game after as well. <laughs> Birmingham sacked John Eustace one day, and the next day they appoint Wayne Rooney. So we take two two weeks to appoint a manager, which is annoying because we've done this so many times when a manager's been sacked that we've taken two, three weeks to appoint it, whereas clubs down in England seem to just get them straight in. Whether that's a good thing, I don't really know. But, I mean, there was a lot of speculation the rumours that there were that the board were going down the Lampard route, but apparently backed out once the fan opinion had reached them, which I'm quite yes. glad that that happened. Yep. We even had Billy Davis offering his services for free until the end of the season. I mean, Desperado much? I don't know. Sam Arladice even said that he'd be honoured if he was asked, as we're a massive club. He stated that he wasn't putting his hat in the ring for it, mind you. It all, all boiled down to two men in the end, apparently. Kevin Muscat... I kind of dismissed him at first. However, when you looked at his stats and style of football, it looked a good match. And then eventually the man that did get it, Philippe Clement, 49-year-old Belgian. He's won the Belgian League with Ghent, then with Bruges in the next two seasons after that as well, and also the Belgian Cup. He had a spell at Monaco where it was first reported that he was a failure. However, when you actually drilled down, he got them third in his first season and then sixth in his second season after having a lot of his team sold. I'm pretty sure not many of us knew much about him, which is probably why on first hearing his name, it wasn't that exciting. However, again, when you read into him, he's a no-nonsense attacking manager, which is exactly what we wanted. And what we've seen so far, it's exactly what we need. One of the things he said that we need to be in some of the press conferences he's had is not afraid to lose the ball. It's one of the big issues that we've had. When you look at the play, we've had plenty of possession, sometimes up in the high 70s. But We've went forward, couldn't find a gap. We have then passed backwards to then pass sideways to then go forward to do the exact same thing again and we get nowhere with it so that's one of the things that he looks as if he's going to change and we've seen that in the game and a half we've had with him so far one of the things that he isn't changing just now though is the captaincy i'm disappointed by that personally both the the captaincy and the leadership group need changed not only that it's clear that tavernier can't be playing every single game his legs are not up for that anymore if he's the captain then i'm pretty certain that he is going to be playing every game so we'll, we'll need to see how that turns out but dave two games gone we'll get into the games also i'm liking what i'm seeing so far certainly with all the pressers he talks a good game his record speaks for itself I'm excited so far, but we've been bitten before by early promise. 
Yes, we have. But I think, I mean, Derek, we spoke about this before. I think every Rangers fan out there, I don't know one didn't, were absolutely delighted when we when Giovanni Van Bronckhurst became the Rangers manager. He was the one that we wanted. He had a, a proven record. They'd won stuff in Holland, so we were all delighted. Don't get me wrong, it, it took us to the highs of the, the, the Europa League final and, and we won the Scottish Cup, but at the end of the day, the, the, the whole f- football and experience at the end was a disaster and in the Champions League as well. That goes to show that, you know, maybe not all guys that you think are suited to a job are going to be a success. So for a change, though, I think the board have done the right thing. They've went for someone with a bit of experience. They've looked at someone who has won things with different clubs as well. And as you say, his his actual record at Monaco on paper doesn't look that bad and done well in the Champions League with them also. So I'm going to be very open-minded about it, Derek. I think they've done the right thing, the type of manager he is. It just remains to be seen what he can do. I think he's got a hell of a job in his hands, to be perfectly honest with you, Derek. I think he's had a look at that team. Apparently, he likes to play with two wingers. Well, if he can find two wingers in that Rangers squad that are going to actually win games for him, uh, he's going to be struggling because I can really only think of one at the moment because it was something that the previous manager didn't believe in, was playing wingers. Uh, So I think he's going to have a hard job. But like you said, certainly going by the first League game in charge, we played very, very well and the game last night I think was maybe out of his hands just with the amount of injuries. But we'll get into those games, Derek, but so far I feel a wee bit more promise and I just really hope it works out. Yeah, I mean, one of the, th- well, a couple of things he's, he's kind of intimated as well, and he was quite shocked at the fitness levels in the club from the latest presser. You know, that's something that's unbelievable that, that Beal's left us in that position because even he highlighted the lack of fitness and compared with the, the when he was here before to what's happened with Gio to when he came back. So if he's seen that that's an issue, why hasn't it been sorted? He was there long enough to do something about the fitness. It was clear that we weren't doing anything about it towards the end of games as well, when we were kind of gassing sometimes as well. Uh, The next thing he's kind of mentioned as well, and it was on the back of last night's game, we all said it when the the European squad was uh, was announced that where's kind of the left backs? You're you're sitting there like one left. So lo and behold, we get an injury and we've no proper left back because you can't really throw a, a you know a youngster into that place as well. So you know he, he did mention that's a, a legacy thing that I can't do anything about. We've, we've got to do what we've got to do with that one. So. It's just even little things like that. Just I don't understand what Bill was up to. It was all his team. It was his way of thinking. I don't know what he was thinking. Nobody does, and that's where we've no. got. Yeah, exactly. In um, the number two position, though, is going to be Stefan van der Heyden. Um, Dave, the first thing I said to you is he looks like a mad bastard, doesn't he? He, he, he looks like one of Tony Soprano's enforcers, Derek. That's, <laughs> that's exactly what he looks like. And I really hope that that's what it is like. I hope he's in there to seriously kick some backside if there's players that don't look as if they're given a jot, Derek, but he certainly looks like a guy that you wouldn't want to mess with. We're maybe getting him totally wrong, and he's maybe one of the quietest, nicest guys that you've <laughs> ever met, but certainly by the looks of him, I wouldn't mess with him. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's who he's, he's brought in to help out. As some 
murmurings that he was going to be getting someone linked with the club as well to come in also. Yeah. That know that they know the club and the fans, whether that's maybe going to be a role for Steve Davis after what happened, I don't know, but we'll just have to wait and see who he, who he brings in. Yeah, I mean, watching all the behind-the-scenes videos with him, Steve Davis was introducing him and, and all that, and he, as you said, he has mentioned Davis about potentially being there. The behind-the-scenes videos also showed he's got some great humour as well, so um, I'm looking forward to some of the pressers. He's no nonsense, but he seems to take everything in his stride. One of the last things about Van der Hayden, though, is that he's got previous with us, Dave. He was involved in one of the most outrageous goals we've ever scored in Europe because it's the ball that Scott Nisbet hit kind of spun off the guy's legs when he was playing for Bruges right. and it went into the back of the net from there. So he has previous. So is, is that who, who it deflected off? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. So that's the first time I've heard that. Oh, well, <laughs> there you go. Derek, that's a really uh, incredible, that, that one. But uh, I, like I said... We can't say that we know anything about like the likes of him and what kind of job that he's going to do, but we can just all have to keep our fingers crossed that he's you know, going to be the right man to help Philip Clement going forward, but we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Yes. So, we'll go and get onto the part that made him come into the club in the first place. <laughs> Rangers against Aberdeen. It was on Saturday the 30th of September and we lost 3-1 at home. It's bad enough losing against Aberdeen. It's bad enough losing 3-1. It's even worse to lose at home to, to them. We had one change from the Livingston game. That was Dessers in for Roof. So we lined up Butland, Tavernier, Goldson, Davis, Redvan, Lundstrom, Sifuentes, Jack, Lammers, Seema and Dessers. On the subs bench were McCrory, Suter, Sterling, Wright, Balligan, Barisic, Rice, Lovelace and McKinnon. I'm not going to spend far too much time on this, Dave, but it was just a shambles from minute yep. one. A few chances here and there, but Dave... Aberdeen didn't need to play that well because we were just no. absolutely hopeless. Yep, it really was. And like I said, Derek, we all knew it was coming. We all knew it was coming. We all knew that we all knew deep down we were getting beaten this game, or at best we were going to get a draw. And this is Aberdeen at home, but this shows you how far things had gone, how predictable we were, how poor we were how everyone's heads were down, the fans felt exactly the same way and, you know, we just knew it was going to happen, didn't we? Yeah. Seventh minutes of Fuentes had a great cross from the right into the middle. It finds Seema, who has a header just wide. That was kind of unlucky, that. Twentieth minute, the ball knocked about confidently, crossing to the back post from the left. Dessers with a great header and beaten away by the keeper and cleared. So that was, again, kind of unlucky, that there. But then Aberdeen scored on the 38th minute. Corner in from the left, right to the back post. Nobody tracking or marking the attacker who runs in and a free kick into the back of the net. Against the runner play, arguably, however... We'd done nothing with the ball, which we'd seen all the time as well. Our danger had waned over the last 10 minutes beforehand, despite having most of the possession. And again, that leads back into having lots of possession, but doing nothing with it. Yeah. 43rd minute, a header by Dessers, goal bound, but no power and easy take. Into half-time, Ridvan and Jack came off and Barisic and Wright came on. 53rd minute, Barisic with a shot on the deck. On the left, through a packed defence, forcing the keeper into a save. 56 minute, Aberdeen cross him to the right, header off the post. It should have been a second goal from them. And not long after, it was a second goal for Aberdeen because in the 68th minute, they made it 2-0. They put pressure on our defence, shot after shot, falls to a player at the edge of the box, shoots a good save by Butland, who saves, but Aberdeen player gets the ball back on the rebound and shoots it back into the net. 
Butland's done great. It was not his fault at all for the rebound. But how many chances did we need to knock it away? And we just yeah. couldn't do that. And like what you've said countless times, Derek, this all came from Aberdeen just having a pop at goal. That's how it all started. A, a, a pop at goal for, for outside the box, comes back, have another pop at goal, have another pop at goal. Eventually, it ends up in the back of the net. Something that we've just not been doing either, have we? No, not at all. 70th minute, it was a second yellow card for Wright. I can't remember the first one, but apparently I've put here in the notes, the second yellow was never a yellow, so I don't know what that was about there. We did get a wee bit of uh, glimmer, though, a glimmer of hope on the 75th minute because we made it 2-1 with Seema scoring. Barisic floats the ball into the back post from the left, keeper comes out, flaps at it, misses, falls to Dessers who crosses it into the middle and Seema taps it in the net. The guy's on fire just now, which we'll get into as well. Dessers off on and Lovelace on in the 84th minute. This was a football manager type thing. When all else fails, chuck the youngster on to see yeah. if anything else happens. Nothing else happened though because in the 85th minute, Aberdeen made it 3-1. Long ball up into our box, poor defending, knocked to Hayes. Hayes has a shot, a great save, rebounds back and the shot off the top of the bar and over the line. A long VAR check for offside, but it wasn't offside and the goal stands. Uh, Again, just can't knock the ball away. Shocking defender again, Derek, but the heads were down at that point. I mean, I, I know that we had just scored, but Ab- Aberdeen were still the better team after we scored. And then when that happened, that, that was it. It was game over. And, you know, I think half the stadium left and the, and the rest of the, the fans that were there were were basically just sitting in, in disbelief as to how poor things were. Yeah. So that's how the game ended up. And as we said, Beal got sacked the next day. So the next game we've got to cover is Thursday the 2nd of October. It was away against Aris Limassol and the Euro- in the Europa League Group C game 2 where we lost 2-1. Dave, this was maybe even worse than the Aberdeen game, wasn't yeah. it? Because we were playing against... They're not a part-time team, but they're not a major team at no. all. And let's let's be honest, they're a glorified pub team and we should be absolutely hammering them. Yep, completely, yep. yep. Regardless, regardless what team that we're putting out Derek we should be able to put teams like this away it was a absolutely dreadful result but I'll, I'll, I'll let you get into the game hopefully very briefly because that's all, all it deserves to be covered. I mean the pitch was horrendous and it was cutting up really badly that's no excuse it was the same for both teams the home crowd though Dave that was absolutely abysmal yep. I mean that that just goes to show what type of team we're playing here if they yes. can't be asked coming out for a Europa League game Exactly um, but anyway, we lined up Butland, Tavernier, Goldson, Davis, Barisic, Lundstrom, Raskin, Lammers, Wright, Seema and Dessers. On the subs bench, we have McCrory, Wright, Souter, Sifuentes, Sterling, Roof, King, Devine, McCausland, Fraser, Lyle and McKinnon. I mean, none of what, is, what transpired in this game was on Steve Davis at all and his team. They just had to go with what, what they, they had. I mean, ultimately, what I've put in my notes here is in, at halftime, we want a manager that can make us a play attractive, attractive attacking football. And after that half, I would have settled for a manager that could just give us the ability to play basic football because yeah. it was absolutely woeful. Third minute, Goldson plays a short square ball and puts us under pressure. Sixth minute, Lundstrom with a shot just outside the box but wide. Eighth minute, an easy ball through our defence, ending in a shot from inside our box on the right side. A save from Butland out for the corner. And a minute later, Limassol made it 1-0. It was a short corner, ball whipped into the middle. Attacker gets in front of Goldson who headers it into the net. Really poor marking. Really, yep. really poor marking from Shocking. Goldson again. Yep, completely. 12th minute, should have been another goal for Limassol because the ball out in the right, cuts inside, shot over the bar from the six-yard line. If it was on target, it was in. 
19th minute on the right wing with Dessers to right into Lammers in the box who has a shot on target but easy for the keeper 21st minute ball in the back of the net but Dessers was rolled offside it was a good ball work to him gets into the box fends off the defender and shoots it into the net there was a lengthy VAR check due to the trailing leg three minutes later it was confirmed offside unfortunately it was 28th minute, a shocking challenge on right with stud showing and on his ankle. A yellow given. Should have been a red every day of the week for me. Yep, mm-hmm, definitely. 39th minute, Barisic with a corner from the left. Seema with a header, but right at the keeper. And that's how we went That's how we went in the half-time. 49th minute, quick break up the park by Limassol. Cuts it back on the edge of the box. Dummied and their attacker picks it up. Feigns and shoots wide. 54th minute, Seema with a shot on the turn. Good save. The ball doesn't fall for Dessers and he couldn't get a shot off. However, he was flagged for offside in any case. Clearly offside. And then it went all disastrously wrong on the 59th minute because Limassol went 2-0 up. Lundstrom gives the ball away in midfield. He started to chase the player down from the left wing. He then gave up. The attacker got into the box, a simple square ball, and the attacker taps it in. Inexcusable from Lundstrom there. It was, it was absolutely dire, Derek. It was just, again, nonchalant. This team are not very good. I didn't need to try, uh, and it just ended up in complete disaster, exactly like you said, completely inexcusable. 66 minute, Lammers and Raskin off, Roof and Sofuentes on. We did get another glimmer of hope on mm. the 70th minute with Sima scoring again. It was a lovely cross from the right side from Lundstrom. A great header by Sima into the back of the net. A long VAR check as there was hints that Tavernier was offside. VAR said not offside. This is the kind of thing as well. Lundstrom played a great cross and I've seen people online almost saying, or pretty much saying, well that makes up for the, the chance. No it doesn't. No. It really doesn't. And, and Tavernier gets the exact same treatment. He gives the ball away in midfield or he, he creates, a, he doesn't he mark a player in defence, which leads to a goal. But then he scores up the other end. So it's like, oh, but he scored. So No, it doesn't work like that. 74th minute, our defence was all over the place again. Davis passes to the Limassol player who passes it to the, to the left of the attacker who shoots. A huge save for Butland who puts it out for the corner. And the last piece of play on the 84th minute, right off and McCausland on. Just a disgraceful performance all round. And, you know, if that's the way you're going to play for a teammate, you've got no chance, have you? Embarrassing, Derek. One of the worst results that we've had in Europe and we've had a few disastrous results. Not quite up there with Pedro's game in Europe that he had, but it's certainly up there with, with, with some of the most embarrassing. No disrespect to, to, to Limassol, but like you said before us, we should be battering teams like this really poor, really disappointing and it showed how how bad that we were and how far we had fallen under Michael Beale. and I really, really, really hope that when we play them in the return game that we score at least four or five against them just to kind of show that we should be hammering teams like that. It was just, it was unacceptable. Next game, though, that then in the last game that Steve Davis got was on Sunday, the eighth of October. It was away against St. Myrna in the Premiership, and we won three 0 Now we've had a few results like this, Dave, where we've won three 0 You look at the result and you think, ah, it's been pretty comfortable. It's been a good performance, Dave. This was a shocking performance, <laughs> and I don't care what anybody says. People were trying to justify, oh, we won three 0 lighten up. You need to stop being so negative, Dave. It was a disgraceful performance, actually. It was a game, Derek, that if you'd asked me before the game, are we going to drop points here, just like the Aberdeen game, I would have said yes. 
because St Myrna have been playing pretty decent this season, especially at home. Uh, so the result to me was surprising. But as you say, the performance was, was really poor. But I'll let you get into it anyway, Derek. I mean, I think that's what people were, were jumping on the back of. Ah, but St Myrna are you know, sitting third. They're playing well this season. It's fucking St Myrna. We should be fucking hammering these teams 3 or 4 nil without any bad play at all. I, I just don't get people's reasoning for that one. But anyway, before I give myself a bloody aneurysm here... <laughs> We lined up Butland, Tavernier, Goldson, Souter, Barisic, Lundstrom, Raskin, Sifuentes, Roof, Seema and Lovelace. We let, uh, on the subs bench we have McCrory, Ridvan, Dessers, Lammers, Sterling, Davis, McCausland, Rice and McKinnon. The first thing we actually done in the game was get a penalty and I didn't see many people uh, claiming for it and that was in the 25th minute. It was brilliant from Lovelace on the right side. He dinks past two players, gets it into the box, gets a dangerous cross into the back post and the St Murden player handles it and clears it. Nobody I see, I don't think, was, was claiming for it at the time and then during the passage, just a very short time after, the referee stopped it yep. and the ball was going right to Seema the VAR check, seen it, it goes to the screen, it, it's not even debatable, Dave, he moves no. his hand clearly towards yes. the, go, the, the yes. ball, I don't know what he was thinking, and he was duly given a red card as well, because there was no attempt to legally play the, the, the ball there, so what a spot by VAR, the VAR assistant Stevie Kirkland was getting a lot of praise from all over Britain from that one. It was on Sky Sports and Sky and the SFA have actually used that one to highlight going behind the scenes of what VAR does as well. It was quite a good clip as well that they've used and it showed you them saying, oh, hold, hold, delay, 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 because we, we think we've got a handball here. I need to see this from another angle. And then you've seen the other assistant VAR person saying to the referee, right, we're just pausing it now. We think we've maybe got a handball. And then they showed you what it does. It was a brilliant clip. What a spot from VAR as well. That's VAR in action right there. That's what it was brought in for. Yep. Brilliant. But anyway, up steps Tavernier. It's taken five minutes to sort all that out. Tavernier slides it to the right. The keeper dives the right way, but it was hit by the power and we went 1-0 up. 34th minute, Barisic with a corner from the right to the back post. Lovely header from Goldson and a lovely save out for the corner from the keeper. And in typical fashion, we've seen great play from him so far in the game. 41st minute, Lovelace off injured and McCausland on. He had been our best player up until that point. Yeah, 100%. Derek gave us a wee bit of life. Uh, I actually thought he was a striker. That's what I thought. I, I thought I was the, the position, and I thought uh, when I saw the starting lineup, it might have been Roof playing to the right hand side, which I've always said is his best position, and Lovelace through the middle. But it was the opposite way about. But he gave us energy, he gave us pace, he caused St Mirren problems. He was putting some excellent crosses in, into the box, basically doing what a winger should be doing. And just our luck, he, like you say, was by far the best player, and unfortunately for him, goes off. Injured, really, really shame for the boy because he was having a great match. Yes. 47th minute, a long ball into the box from Barisic. Lovely chest layoff from McCausland to Raskin, who blasts it and a good save from the keeper out for the corner. Really good link-up play that there yep. between McCausland and Raskin. That's how half-time came. Dave, considering we played half that half with the one-man advantage, we never really cracked on from that. Yeah, we had that one one or two chances, but yeah. it was the same. You knew St Murn were going to sit back after that, try and hit us on the break. That's what they'd done. We just played the same forward, can you get it through the defence, play it backwards, sideways, forward, can you get through, back. What's the point, Dave? What's the point? <laughs> <laughs> 
Derek, do you want the number for Samaritans, mate? Oh, I need something stronger than Samaritans. <laughs> I don't know. So into half time, nothing happened until the 61st minute where Roof came off and Dessers on. 71st minute, we went 2 0 up finally, and it was Seymour scoring again. Long ball up into the box, over the top of the defence, two Raskin on the right-hand side. He cuts it back to Seymour, who was in space, in the middle, and more or less a tap-in. Great vision with the long ball. Even better from Raskin there. He could have been really selfish and taken it on himself, but he played the unselfish pass to Seymour, who was in space, and a simple tap-in. Thankfully, we got the, the second goal. How many times has that happened, though, Dave? We went, we go, and I said it the last podcast as well, we go a goal up fairly early on. We don't really capitalise on that. It's sitting nervy because we can't score a second until maybe the 70th, 80th minute, and then that's when maybe the floodgates start to open as well. Because this defence always worry us. They've always got a clanger <laughs> in them, and that's what we're always waiting for. Yep. 89th minute, Sifuentes and Sima off, Dessers and Rice on and the pick of the bunch of the goals 90th minute, Tavernier with an absolute peach, he picks up the ball in the final third, on the left, he cuts inside hits a shot which was blocked then it was deflected back to him and under pressure he blasts the ball into the top right of the net, absolutely stunning goal from Tav, you know he can score penalties but see when he plays and see when he gets forward like that, he can score absolute peaches of goals can't he? Definitely, but we've not seen it enough over the last sort of two seasons, Derek. Last season and this season, we've really not seen enough of it because we know what he can do. But it was a, a fantastic goal that he scored. Yeah, absolutely. So, as I said, deleted with the result. Really pissed off with the performance though, because even though it was three 0 it was a slog. When we go a man advantage, yes, I know sometimes it can be more difficult, but we just showed absolutely nothing yeah. uh, to, to really go forward. But anyway, we got the three points anyway. We got the new manager in, and that sets us up for, weirdly, a game at home against Hibs, like Beale's first game was as well. This time it was in the Premiership, whereas Beale's was in the League Cup quarterfinal. This time it was a much better result. And not only that, it was an outstanding performance as well. Hibs hadn't been beaten in five games. Apparently, it was the first uh, the points that their new managers dropped as well. So it was really, really good to see. Yep. We lined up Butland, Tavernier, Goldson, Suter, Barisic, Lundstrom, Raskin, Lammers, Wright, Seema and Dessers. On the subs bench were McCrory, Ridvan, Jack, Cantwell, Roof, Davis, Balligan, McCausland and Danilo. Now, Danilo on the bench, coming back from injury. We kind of wanted our wholesale changes in the team, but it was never really going to happen the way we wanted as well. New managers don't generally do that as well. Plus as well, with the, the amount of injuries we've got, we're kind of threadbare, which is absolutely yeah. ridiculous yeah. to think about considering we brought in that many players in the summer. Quite incredible. And again, down to injuries, Derek, what, what, what the hell was going on? We seem to just have injury after injury, and it's been like that for about two years now. So, and uh, always the same. Well, I'm saying always the same. It always seems to be the same types of injuries that that the that the players are picking up. So, I'm hoping the new manager can get that sorted out because I don't know if it's something to do with training that they're doing or or whatever. But I'm baffled. And again, you know, the squad is threadbare. So, the this game that you're about to summarise. The performance and the result was absolutely fantastic, considering you know the, the fact that we've got so few few players to put into the in, into the first team squad. Yeah, I mean, can't argue with the first half at all. Obviously, far from the finished product, but there was a more confident and a more assured play from the team. And dare I say it, not as much fear about losing the ball. 
Seventh minute, lovely interception by Tavernier just inside our half. Even lovelier through ball to Lammers, who takes it into the box with a wide touch and deflected out for the corner. Once again, though, an injury hit because in the 11th minute, Barisic had to go off injured. Ridvan came on. 15th minute, nice play in the middle, gets the ball into the right wing to right. A good cross in and Dessers with a bicycle kick, but an easy take for the keeper. It was a good move, though. And now we went 1-0 up with who else but Seymour scoring on the 17th minute. Dessers with a nice layoff to Seymour in the middle of the Hibs half. A powerful drive forward into the box on the right. He could have squared it to Dessers. However, he shoots into the, the left side of the net. Brilliant goal. Great goal, yep. The, the man that's on forum, Derek, at the moment, the man, the, the man, the only one that looks as if he can actually do anything going forward. So, you know, a, another goal for him and a fantastic move and a great goal as well. 27th minute, reminiscent of the chance Aberdeen had when they just went shot after shot. It was pinball in the Hibs box with multiple shots from us. They were getting them blocked. Seema trying to a place Trundler, but it went just by the post. Var was checked for a handball, but nothing given. It did appear to hit the hand of from one of the shots of one of the Hibs defenders, but I think it hit his knee first, so possibly a correct decision. And then we went 2-0 up, though, on the 45th minute with Raskin scoring. Lammer steals the ball off the Hibs player in their half. The ball falls to Raskin, who looks up, shoots from 25 yards into the bottom left corner. There was a brief VAR check for a foul, but it was over within 30 seconds. I've really no idea what it was for, because Lammer's won the ball cleanly. It was a great pass as well. Really good from him much maligned player which we'll get into and really good composed finish from Raskin he looked up and it was a weird kind of trundling shot but brilliant all the same yeah and Derek correct me if I'm wrong is that uh, Raskin's first goal for the club it was yes so quite surprising that as well I thought when when I heard that yes and a, a player who we see time and time again getting into good positions and not taking the shot on so you know, here's hoping that something the new manager is getting drummed into them just to, you know, if you get even the slightest chance, have a pop at goal. Something, again, that you've been saying for years that we don't do. So, no, d- delighted for Raskin. Really good goal. Good time to score the second goal and really put us in control of the match. Yeah. I mean, Hibs were quite open, but yeah. they were playing bad. But I think that was because we were playing so good. So, it was really, really interesting to see that. And, you know, what a difference a manager can make sometimes. Into the second half, 49th minute, Lammers with a nice spin in the box, gets a shot off but just wide. 53rd minute, lovely interception by Wright, drives it forward to the right-hand side of the box, crosses it in, appears to hit off Dessers and an easy take for the keeper. If he had left it, Seema was in the back post with more or less an empty net. 54th minute, Hibs keeper well out the box and Lundstrom tries a, a roof shot, but it was a really pitiful effort. He had to take it first time in fairness and uh, just a poor execution but one of these things 55th minute Lammers off the post from 7 yards after a good knockdown by him from across it was played back to him and he blasted the shot off the near post I have still no idea how he managed to hit the post and not the back of the net Dave I know what your thoughts are <laughs> I'm not saying anything <laughs> I think he's one of these players that's just needing a goal and everything will come from him because he's doing a lot of individual nice play up until he gets to a certain point and then he's just fluffing his lines. It's just frustrating. Derek, uh, I think you're watching a completely different player from what I'm watching because I'm still looking for these individual pieces of brilliance that everybody keeps telling me and it's very few and far, far between, but we'll, we'll get into that later. I think it's a rush of blood. That's what I think's happening and it's... 
It's just getting to him. He's got a touch of the Kenny Millers, I'll put it down to maybe. Uh, 65th minute, though, we went 3-0. And who else? He's now turning into the new Morelis, I think. Seema scored. Lovely through ball from Lammers. See, there you go. There's your, your lovely individual piece of skill there. Two Dessers <laughs> in the box. He tries to round the keeper. He gets a shot off, but blocked. Tries to shoot again, but blocked again. There was claims of handball, but it falls to Seema, who blasts it high into the net. Really unlucky, that, from Dessers there. Desperate for him to get a goal, but it was great. A poacher's instinct from Seema. He could have tried to pass it back, but he just seen the goal, blasted it in. Brilliant. It was a great goal, and like, like I said, thankfully, we've got someone attacking-wise who is bang on form at the moment, because if we didn't, we would be in serious, serious trouble, but another great goal by Simmer, and I think he's better playing slightly out, out wide right eh, or left, but he's certainly got an eye for goal, and that was just another excellent finish by him. Yes. 71st minute, Cantwell cutting into the middle from the right and shoots, comfortable save from the keeper though, and then he finally gets his goal, 79th minute, Dessers makes it 4-0, was down the left Lammers with a cross into the deck to Cantwell who cradles it, holds it up a lovely reverse pass to Dessers in the box who holds it up, outfoxes three players, and a lovely placed trundling shot into the right hand side it was a, another weird kind of Raskin type one where it just trundled in but it was a great execution, just the way he done it, brilliant I will be honest with you, I think that the Rangers players were basically trying to walk the ball into the net for him because they obviously know that he's very low on confidence and I would have been extremely, extremely surprised if he'd have missed that because it was, uh, he had plenty of time to turn, look and then just sort of place the ball in, into the back of the net. Not to take away and d- d- delighted when any R- Rangers players scored but I do think it was quite a simple one for him. And I just hope, well, going on the game for, for, for last night, I was hoping that that goal was maybe going to change his fortunes, maybe make him look more enthusiastic, more confident. But unfortunately, the, it doesn't appear to be so. But Derek, I've spoke about those two players time and time and t- time again. I think that's 18 times that Lammers has played for Rangers. And I'm still baffled as to what position he is. I'm still baffled as to what he actually does. I think nearly any player in a, a forward position in our squad would do more for us than what he does. I, I, I hate slating our players, but I've said it to you for the first time that I've seen the guy. This guy shouldn't be anywhere near our team. No, nowhere near it. But I know that you are one for giving players a, a second chance and seeing, but as I say, that's now 18 games he's played for us, Lammers, and I'm still to see what, what it is that he actually does for us. We'll see in the due course of time. <laughs> I really hope no. I really hope <laughs> not. All I can say, Dave, is some people would have wrote off Ali McCoist, so uh, we'll see. Anyway, in the 81st minute, Dessers and Lammers off. Dave was delighted at this yes. point. Danilo and McCausland on. 86 minutes, seam up with a shot just wide, and that's how the game ended up. So, absolutely delighted with that. A great start for Clermont, and uh, yeah. long may it continue with that one. Yes, and what I was impressed with as well was the fact that he, he obviously went, he, he thought, I, I really need to get you know wide play in, in this game. He went with that. I realised that, that, that Scott Wright isn't everybody's favourite, but we are you know extremely low on wingers, like I said previously. He went with it and you know, it, it worked for us and, and we were on the front foot for the vast majority of the game and that's just 
what we're looking for, isn't it? Especially at home and what could have been a, a tricky match for us, but an, an excellent performance. Now, Dave, after the game, it's just fucking depressing. It really is. I mean, once the fans had left, it was clear to see that a number of our seats in the away end had been graffitied with yep. 66 pro-IRA slogans, as well as Lizzie is dead, obviously, in relation to the late Queen. There's been also, also a lot of reports of singing songs about the Ibrox disaster. There was a boy clearly on social media with a ha-ha 66 wrote on his phone. Not only that, Hibs fans had went to the trouble of getting stickers printed to stick on their seats about the Ibrox disaster as well. Now, I did put on Twitter that, you know, have a go at the dead monarch and support terrorist organisation all you want. Just tells me you're a fucking idiot. But to have a go at innocent people that lost their lives in a tragedy is the lowest of the low. You're nothing but a fucking scumbag. Fair play to Hibs, they've condemned it straight away and they've already banned one of the fans for life and they're working with us to ID the others. Much like Aberdeen, Hibs fans had a, a relative bit of success against us once and now that that's been taken away, they've got nothing left. So the only way they think they can feel relevant somehow is this is the only way they can do it, is by slagging off innocent people that died. Now, I'm not even going to say fair play to, to this guy here because he never does it when his own fans, when the exact same scumbaggery happens. However, Hamza Youssef also came out and condemned it as well. The less said about that idiot, the better. But that, yes. Dave, that Dave is just absolutely the most, some of the most vilest shit ever. You know, seeing singing the songs, you can get caught up in it. That's bad enough. But to actually go out and get stickers printed and actively do that, I mean, it was a orchestrated, organised, premeditated thing yep. that they've done with that one. It's just scumbaggery. It really is. Derek, I wouldn't even expect that mob for the other side of the city to arrange something like that, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, I, I, I realise that there will be, you know, some, some of their fans that would have thought it was funny and stuff like that, but I honestly wouldn't expect that for them. It's absolute sheer scum of the earth stuff it shows the mentality of the fans that are going in there that can, you know, even the ones that just mock it. But as you say, to actually organise some, something like that, you're the lowest of the low. I really hope that, you know, the investigation, because Hibs know who the tickets are going out to, Derek. Hibs know, you know, when these these tickets, these away tickets are handed, they, they might not be sold to the specific person, but they'll know who are actually allocated these tickets and who's applied to them. So I really hope that uh, everyone that was involved in this are, are you know, are identified, because it's just it's completely un unacceptable. It's as sick as you could possibly get but again I um, I say this all, all, all the time I'm, I'm not surprised that to me I am surprised because it is the, the, the lowest of the low to be able to mock something like that that happened a, a disaster like that absolutely shocking yeah anyway into the last game we've got to cover Thursday the 26th of October it was a nil each draw away against Sparta Prague in the Europa League Group C Game 3 Dave, after the first half, I thought, fuck me, this <laughs> is going to be lucky to get away with anything here. In the second half, we certainly played a lot better. We reduced the amount of chances they had. And in the last 20 minutes, we were by far the better team. And we had a number of chances ourselves, which were really unlucky. And they were maybe lucky to get away with, with just a point. But 
ultimately, as you said in the post-match, Dave, I think we are going to be looking back in this and absolutely delighted with the point because yeah. when you go away from home, you're looking for at least a draw. We certainly got that and, you know, I was delighted with it in the end. It was, Derek. I'll, I'll, I'll go as far as not no even to say the first half. I think about the first hour of the match, we were completely outplayed. The one thing that I would like to say, though, is mentions to Jack Butland, who was sensational. If it wasn't for him, we would have been beaten about 3 or 4-0 in that game. I also thought John Souter was magnificent at the back as well. Connor Goldson, really, Derek, we've spoken about him time and time again. He is definitely the weak link in the centre of defence there. I actually felt for, for, for Davies and Souter in, 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 in the match because I thought the Goldson was really poor. But certainly the defence kept us in it, or, or, or those two players kept us in it. Butland absolutely outstanding. Yeah, I mean, Butland worth his weight in gold. I just yeah. hope we can keep him. The, the team that, that he put out, because you alluded to earlier on, the Yilmaz not being in the European squad, which we were all baffled by the decision that, that was made earlier in the season, Barisic being injured, we were all thinking, what's going to happen here? Who's who's he going to put in the left back? The answer was no one, because he changed the formation to a back three. So it was Butland. Tavernier playing at right wing back, Souter, Golson and Davies playing as the three centre-backs, with Simmer playing as a left wing back. Now, again, felt quite sorry for, for, for the guy having to play that position. In the centre, Lundstrom, Cantwell, Raskin with Dessers up front and Lammers doing whatever Lammers did uh, during the game, which wasn't very much. It's just all chances, that five minutes, two incredible chances that Sparta had to score. They basically waltzed through our defence. Now, this was from a pass, Derek, if you can remember. This all came from a pass that Lammers had in the middle of the park. It was a simple pass that he was going to play straight out to... James Tavernier and was absolutely nowhere near him and put the ball out for a throw. The throw came in, the player walks through our defence, uh, you know, it ended up to one of their players with a point, a shot, point blank save by Butland. He parries the ball straight to one of their players, another shot, thankfully straight at him, another fantastic save and we managed to clear it again. All coming for our sloppy play, unnecessary play. Yellow card for Cantwell in the, the, the 17th minute for, for a late challenge. And then another shot for the edge of the box with Sparta on the 20th. Rangers doing nothing going forward whatsoever. Uh, 22nd minute, a break down the right by Sparta. A ball in, into the box and a last, last ditch clearance. And the ball was away. Finally, on the 25th minute, we break. The ball gets played in the box to John Souter, of all people. I don't know what he he, he was doing up there. I don't know what you th thought about this, Derek. The ball comes to Souter. He goes out to control the ball. He gets the ball. The Sparta player runs in and sort of collides with him. And they get the free kick. And Souter's booked. Absolutely nothing in that whatsoever. I, I still don't know what he was booked for there. 31st minute, a mix-up on the edge of the box as Raskin loses possession, a shot for the edge of the box which dips and another incredible save by Butland because just the, the, the way that it was hit, it was heading for the bottom corner, a great save from him, again 33rd minute, another chance for Sparta, we can't clear, clear our lines it's shot for a tight angle thankfully it hit the side netting 
35th minute, a long range shot for the edge of the box, and Butland with another save, he parries it, and then I, you know it was just a matter of this uh, the, the Sparta attacker putting it in the back of the net. But to be fair to John Lundstrom, a tremendous block manages to get the ball away. It was just constant Sparta pressure, and the only thing that I've got highlighted for us, Derek, was in the 41st minute we won our first corner of the match, which came to nothing. And it was just a really, really shocking first half by us. We couldn't get any passing going whatsoever. I don't think that Sparta are a great team, but we were just so bad that we actually made them look like a good team. Would you agree with that? I mean, I think it was something like 14 shots to one, or 14 attempts at goal to our one in the first half. It was just, it was hiding behind your eyes type type of thing. It It wasn't a good watch at all. We're all over the place at times. It was a team of old, and I don't know if it was. I mean, it was a bold decision just to say, "Fuck it, we're going with three at the back" because we haven't got a a left yeah. back. So that's a a good trait, I think. It's he did mention it's about looking for solutions rather than moaning about and trying to fit people in. But I it wasn't a great first half at all. No. But fortunately, we we did kind of come back in yeah. the second. Well, as I say, it was more of the same for about the first 10, 15 minutes of the second half. Constant chances from Sparta putting the pressure on for us. But then on the on the 60th minute, bang on the 60th minute, Rangers break down the wing. And it was Simmer who I really thought was trying his heart out there. It really did difficult for him in that position. But Cantwell made a, a great run to the, the byline. Simmer finds him. Cantwell with a fantastic ball back to John John Lundstrom on the edge of the box. He had time, he had space, he shoots, and it's well wide of the, 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 the goal. Really, really poor by Lundstrom. We've seen him doing that so so many times. I, you know, but we can remember him scoring fantastic goals and the likes of Dortmund in that, Derek. But since then, it's been few and far between. Really, really poor. And then Dessers finally gets on the ball at, at the edge of the box. In the Sparta box, he slips, he manages to get the ball back, passes his man, but he puts his foot out and gets pe- penalised again for, for, for putting his foot on the ball and the Sparta player f- f- falling over. Really bizarre decisions, Derek. I think it's, it's maybe highlighted because we've done absolutely or hardly anything. We finally get, get into the box and get a chance and then it's, you know, the, nothing comes of it because of some strange refereeing decisions. But this is where I think the game changed for me Derek, and it maybe sounds strange, but uh, Todd Cantwell came off. It's quite clear that Todd Cantwell's not 100% fit. He was, he was struggling in the second half. You could tell that. He brought Scott right on, Derek, and he changed uh, the, the manager changed the tactics slightly as to the way that we were playing, trying to get us more on the ball in their half. And I honestly think that it worked. And this is where Rangers started playing well, 73rd minute. Raskin with some great skill, he runs into the Sparta half, he finds Simmer on the left-hand side of the box, he plays it back to Scott right on the edge of the box, but again a woeful shot, but another glorious, glorious chance, we were putting pressure on, he takes Dessers off, brings Danilo on on the 75th, and then a great chance for the, the only time that I've mentioned this guy, Lammers manages to get on the ball, the edge of the box, he shoots, and I thought it was in the back of the net. A fantastic save by the goalkeeper. I honestly thought that we'd take the lead. But like I say, much more promise from there. 85th minute, great play, ball into Danilo in, in the box. He shoots, and the keeper gets a hand to it. The ball comes off the bar. 
So really putting them un- under pressure. 88th minute, I got a free kick, but it was too far out for, for Tav to really cause any problems for the keeper. He hit it. But then a great through ball. I, I, a minute later, again, from Suter to Raskin, he runs to the edge of the box. Again, another chance to get a shot on target. We're just looking for shots on target. Anything can happen. But, but well wide. There's five minutes of extra time, and we're thinking, you know, if we get nil-nil after the way we played, we'll, we'll be happy. And then in the 91st minute, Sparta really should have scored because they managed to get possession one-on-one against uh, Connor Goldson. The, the winger just beat some hands down. Goldson's left on his arse, gets to the byline. There's a man steaming in at the back post. Thankfully, it was, you know, the, the ball that he played was too far. The striker didn't run in quick enough, completely missed it. A real let off for us there because that was going to be a certain goal. And that's how the game finished, Derek. And looking back now, it was a woeful first 60 minutes. But again, just that wee bit of encouragement that I feel the manager was able to change the fortunes of how we were playing for the last, you know, half an hour to 25 minutes, just by making one substitution and that was Scott Wright and Scott Wright's no world beater we know that but just being able to say identify a way to make us get more possession cause problems that was a a real highlight to me for that game Derek I don't know if you felt the same way but that was about the first time that I thought maybe we do have a manager here that knows what he's doing and can change things that's what I really hope because it was a, a dreadful performance up until that point but I'm not going to hold it against the manager just because of how threadbare the squad was. So I will. I am happy with a nil-nil draw with the point. I think it's going to be very valuable, like what you said. And we'll just have to hope that we're going to be getting more players back so that the manager can, you know, maybe change it even more for the upcoming games. Yeah, I just think sometimes we need a wee bit more quality. And as much as you highlighted the fact that uh, Scott Wright coming on and something changed within the team, whether it be the system or him coming on. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think it was much to do with right because he was getting into the right places and then he was fluffing his lines, choosing the wrong option, shooting wide or whatever. So, um, uh, but something definitely did change. The second half yeah. much improved. I, I know you're saying from maybe 60, 70 minutes. I did feel that we closed them down a wee bit better in the first uh, in the first part of the second half as well. And then we really got on top that was in the kind of 60th, 70th minute. So um, certainly, as I said, at the, in the outset, a great point, I think, ultimately. Yep. And we'll we'll see what happens. And the, going, going into the tables, though, in the Premiership, we have played 9-1-6, drawn 0, lost 3, scored 17, conceded 5, goal difference plus 12, 18 points. 7 behind Celtic, 3 ahead of St Mirren, 7 ahead of Hearts. St Mirren do have a game in hand, though. In the Europa League, we are currently sitting in third place. We've played three, won one, drawn one, lost one, scored two, conceded two, goal difference zero, and we're on four points. So that's the exact same as Sparta Prague. They sit ahead of us just now, though, I think on the value that they've maybe scored more goals than us. So Betis are sitting on six points with Limassol on three. That rankles me that because we really should be sitting on six with with Limassol on three as well. Certainly all to play for. Uh, We're a very tight, tight league this one. Uh, Another three games to go. We'll see what happens. Games to come though. Uh, Sunday the 29th of October that's the game coming up at home against Hearts in the Premiership that's a 3 o'clock kickoff. 
Wednesday the 1st of November, away against Dundee in the Premiership. That's a 1945 kickoff. Sunday the 5th of November, that's at Hamden against Hearts in the League Cup semi-final. That's a 3 o'clock kickoff. Thursday the 9th of November, at home against Sparta Prague, Europa League Game 4. That's an 8 o'clock kickoff. Sunday the 12th of November, away against Livingston in the Premiership, 12 o'clock kickoff. We do then have an international break for two weeks where Scotland. Another international break. I know, I know. Where Scotland play Georgia on the 16th and Norway on the 19th. And Sunday the 26th of November, we are away against Aberdeen in the Premiership. That's a midday kickoff as well. So, as ever, lots of important games coming up. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Big one though is obviously the, the Hearts semi-final. First chance to get into the, the, the first final of the year. You would like to think our chances of lifting that trophy are pretty good? I really hope so, Derek. I think it would be a fantastic start for Philip Clermont if he could get the first piece of silverware back into the Ibrox trophy cabinet. But again, we just have to wait and see what happens. I'm taking absolutely nothing for granted. No, absolutely not. So, we'll now go into the news. So, the first piece of news I've got to cover here is it turns out that Graham Souness had played a part in the manager recruitment as a consultant and he's confirmed that he'll be joining us in some sort of consultancy role. So, I'm guessing that is on the back of a comments a few months ago where he had been in discussions with James Bisgrove, but they couldn't come to an arrangement. Now, that all sounded quite positive. They had been involved in the recruitment process. Until, until today. Until today, yes. Where <laughs> he opened his mouth and he says that he actually wanted... Lampard to be the manager. Oh dear! And the one manager that I think we would all, you know, complete uproar if we had have brought him in. Quite surprised about that, Derek. I thought he would have, he would have been more professional than that to say, you know, that delighted that he played a part in, in bringing him and he's the right man for the job and stuff like that. I don't know what his links to Frank Lampard are. I didn't know he had any, but very surprising that he said that. And as you say, until he made those comments today. Everybody was absolutely delighted that he could be back in some sort of role helping the club out. We'll just have to wait and see if he comes back out and says that he's been misquoted or or whatever, but very, very surprised by his lack of professionalism there, are you? Well, it's maybe one of these things is, is he gives his consultancy opinion as what he's entitled to do and the board decides we'll do the opposite of what Graham says. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I'm still surprised that he came away with that after the appointment has been made, considering he, you, you know he's, he's, he supposedly loves the club and the links with the club and stuff like that. I would say that, he, you know, professionally, you should be completely out in support of the, the man that's been put in place. Uh, and then if, you know, if things go wrong, you could, you, you could turn around and say, well, you know, I, I had a few concerns at the time, which I highlighted, but but not just when the man's in the door, so very surprised at that. Yeah. Next thing, plans to transform the old mega store into the sports bar have been approved. It should be open early next year, and as we've discussed before, it looks as if it's going to be cracking, and yep. great that the plans have been approved. Superb stuff, yep, fantastic. Yep. 
Next thing, talk is that Celtic are going to refuse us our allocation of tickets for their game against us in December. Our stance was that we offered you tickets, you refused it, so it's not our problem. Geese are tickets, basically. More recently, Celtic have been moaning that they only got just over 500 tickets for the Hearts game at the weekend there. Rogers was wants discussions around a minimum allocation for fans. Absolutely fine. You can get a minimum allocation. It's the 800 we offer you. You take it, you leave it. So it's just the usual shite from Celtic. They're two-faced, bitter, inferiority complex of they're wanting their cake and eating it at the same time. They will never change. It's no, always ever. about them. And yep. they, they, they just don't see the hypocrisy in what they say. Yep. Always the victims, Derek. It's always, you know, whole, whole, whole world against them. It's, you know, it never, ever changes. It's, it's been like that as long as I can remember. Yes. Next thing here is the word hun has been confirmed as, as as a sectarian slur by sheriffs. It's came after years of Celtic fans claiming it wasn't. It all stems from a Celtic fan, David De Pinto, being charged with a sectarian breach. His defence claimed that the word did not contain a religious aspect nor disclose malice and ill will towards a religious group. His defence tried to use it in its historic context as well. The sheriffs basically threw that defence out. They've, they went on to say what I've said for years. As much like the F word used to describe Catholics or Celtic fans, the historic use of it may not have a religious connotation however the modern use of it and in particular when it's used in a footballing context there is religious connotations to it so basically Celtic fans once again they've been shown up they they like to use that hun word against us all the time and we're just meant to sit and take it well this is surely then the end of it, especially with the, the sectarian hate crime laws that are in place in Scotland now. You would like to think a lot more people are going to get charged with a sectarian breach now. We never wanted special treatment, no. Dave. We just wanted fair treatment, and now that should be the case. I don't think it'll change much, Derek, to be perfectly honest with you. There'll still be pe- people that will use it and use it in as a... Uh, ignorant that, that they didn't know that that was the case and that you could say it and stuff like that. I've, I've heard it all before, but like you said, I'm, I'm glad it has been highlighted. I'm glad now it has been recognised as being sectarian, but we'll wait and see what happens, you know, what, what other connotations there'll be, because I'm sure there will be more instances that will be highlighted. Next thing, Todd Cantwell and Chris Sutton have been back at it on social <laughs> media and in the mainstream media with Cantwell, Brandon Sutton, an attention seeker. I mean, it's one of these things that as much as Cantwell is 100% correct, maybe he should just keep away from it yep. and let his talking be done on the pitch. 100%. We don't need any irrelevant distractions, and that's exactly what Sutton is. And yep. when Todd Cantwell hasn't won anything yet, and when he's still picking up stupid yellow cards for throwing himself into tackles, he needs to calm that bit of his game down. We all like that, you know, we, we all like the go up and at him kind of attitude he's got but he needs to calm down and he needs to step away from social media now because he's going to start to become a, a hindrance to the team and I think that's one of the things that uh, Clement was asked about in his first presser and he kind of ultimately said somebody else will maybe need to look at that or what's to that effect he's not seen it but that's something that the club need to crack down on. I'm fed up of players coming out in the media saying X and Y and then they go and embarrass themselves on the pitch. It needs to stop. Yep. Derek, we've spoke about... See, Chris Sutton, it doesn't bother me in the slightest. You know why? He's a wind-up merchant. That's all he is. He's looking for the wind-up. He's like one of these annoying guys that you know down the pub that live 
just to try and wind people up. His opinion doesn't matter, right? It really doesn't. He's in, you know, the media. He's got a spotlight sometimes, but he is just a wind-up merchant. And what you what you do with wind-up merchants, you completely ignore them. Unfortunately, Cantwell hasn't. And as you said quite rightly, until he goes and wins something for us, I think he's just need to concentrate on his game. And then, you know, if he goes out and he wins a league for us and he's player of the season and all that, fair enough. Get it right up, you Chris Sutton. I think everybody else will be doing the same. But until he does so, just completely ignore the man because we don't need that just now. Yes. Our head of talent ID, Phil Cowan, has left and taken up a post in the Arsenal Academy. Now, we've been revamping our scouting department, apparently, to be more data-driven. Unsure if this is just the latest part of that. Certainly, good luck to him. All the same, it's one of these things that, on one hand, you think our scouting has been a shambles for a while, but on the other hand, you're thinking, well, if he's going to Arsenal, he must be doing a good job. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know what to think there, but good luck to him nonetheless. Yep. Now it turns out, Dave, that we have new fans. Korean pop group Stacey. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. <laughs> I'm sure everybody's heard this story already, but they were playing in Dallas, Texas, and in an attempt to win over the locals, I'm guessing they decided to get what they thought was the tops of the local sports team, the Texas Rangers. Turns out that it was one of our retro tops from the <laughs> 90s. Just absolutely brilliant. I mean, it made national and international news, so great exposure. Absolutely brilliant, and the tops. It was the it was the ones that you know that we always remember from Gascoigne and Loudrop with the McCunes lager on them. The Adidas tops, so quality strips as well, but absolutely hilarious to mix up. I would love to think that the person that's made this uh, mistake was actually a Scottish blue nose, but I, I don't think he will be. I think it's just been a, a, a genuine mistake, but absolutely hilarious nonetheless. I mean, it's what you think. I mean, right, let's go out and get some Rangers tops, right? <laughs> if they can't get Rangers top, like Texas Rangers tops, you know, surely they would have maybe thought, you know, New York Rangers tops. I don't know, but uh, brilliant exposure for us nonetheless. Hilarious. Yep. Next thing here. Penalty to rate. No, wait. Penalty to Celtic. So far in the nine games they've played in the Premiership this season, Celtic have had four penalties to our one. Not hearing any conspiracy theory claims from them this, this year. It's a conspiracy yeah. with Sonic yep. referees. <laughs> I mean, Dave, for a team that, you know, were claiming everything, that this is shocking, this is bad, you know, you don't get four penalties in nine games, apparently. But, you know, they do now. Yes. No, again, it's, it's this whole victim mentality that they have and have had ever since I can remember. Again, absolute nonsense, and you know it, it shows you there all this passion about constant all that, or being a penalty to Rangers and stuff like that. Just go and have a look at the stats, and you'll see exactly that that's complete nonsense. Yes. Next thing here, Cinch have decided to end their sponsorship with the SPFL at the end of this season. It was meant to run for another two years. However, they're exercising the right to pull out as part of one of the clauses that's there. I mean, Dave, who knew that was even part of the deal? Yeah, well, somebody, somebody must must have Derek, but you know, you've got to remember Derek. This is the deal of the century. You've got to yes. remember that this is a phenomenal deal, according to absolutely nobody. Ridiculous deal, and now again, the powers that be within Scottish football have got egg on their face. And what the hell are they going to do now? That's what I that, that's what I want to know. 
Yeah, so I mean, once again, the SPFL are going to be sponsorless. No wonder they are pulling out, given that the biggest club don't have to advertise because of the fuck up of Doncaster. So basically, Doncaster gets paid £400,000 a year, has a two-year notice period. He paid £500,000 of the club's money to a consultancy firm to get this deal in the first place because they're that inept that they can't get the sponsors themselves to sign a deal with a company that pays the English women's team more money than we get in the, the Scottish leagues for them to pull out three years into a five-year deal and only give us six-month notice of that. And that's all before you get into the fact that he's ignored his own rules around and conflicting sponsors in relation to this. And it's cost the clubs even more money on top of that in legal fees. And now today, he's been elected to the board of the European Leagues Committee. Now, get this. According to their Twitter, their main goal is to enhance and protect the competitive balance and league competitions through good governance, sporting merit and solidarity. (laughs) What in the fucking world does Neil (laughs) Doncaster embody any of those traits? Oh my god. I mean, surely they can do their due diligence on this guy, Derek, to see how much a complete fuck-up that he's made of everything. That is absolutely incredible. As you say, that or the whole deal has been a complete shambles the way that it's went about. But what I find absolutely hilarious, Derek, is as soon as that news comes out, all the usual fucking idiots, they are straight away saying, oh, well, that's Rangers' fault. That's Rangers' fault that this has yeah. happened. It's quite incredible. Ah, oh, just unbelievable. Now, a thing that's came out today as well, as a consequence of one of his bad decisions around the TV deal, our game against Motherwell, which was meant to be oh. on the 23rd of December, has now been moved for TV reasons to Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. Both us and Motherwell are not happy about this, especially Motherwell, as they they say that they've sold out the hospitality for the game. So that means they've got to arrange all their caterers to get all this moved moved over, to contact every single person that's booked that, to then say, oh, sorry, it's not going to be on the 23rd, it's going to be on Christmas Eve. Christmas yeah, because... Because they don't have anything else on their, on their plates at Wait, that point. Aye. You know, Complete and utter shambles, Derek. Complete so, shambles. So Rangers have then released a statement. They went on to say that we actually asked for our fixture against the, the previous fixture just there against St Mirren to, be kicked to, to have a later kick-off time than midday because we had, on the Friday, had a five-hour flight back from our game in, in Cyprus on the Friday. That request was refused. Now... The SPFL are meant to be helping clubs. That wasn't helping us at all there. And that was because of TV reasons, I think, because that's the reason why it wasn't moved. So where's the the come and go with with clubs here? Just once again, for TV reasons, because it's locked into such a shitty deal that they don't even pay us enough money. They pay other shittier leagues more money than us. They don't even fulfil their full allocation of games they allow. And then we even signed a deal to lock us out so that all the other games by bar five games per club can't be shown on their own club's TV channels. We're locked out of all the other games. It's a fucking shambles. And now we're locked into this deal till 2029. When are clubs and fans going to realise it's no Rangers' fault here? This is all down to one particular executive board and one particular executive board only. It's absolutely scandalous. I... I would like to say, though, to the, the Rangers PR team for the wee tongue-in-cheek, uh, and I'm hoping that it's a tongue-in-cheek that Sky Sports are a valued league partner. <laughs> I, 
and as such, we enjoy a strong working relationship with them. I really hope that that was t- tongue-in-cheek, Derek, because we know that that's complete and utter bollocks. Exactly. If they were really that valued, they would pay a, a fair fair go to us, but they don't, because they know they don't need to, because yeah. they basically, Doncaster and his cronies bend over for them, yep. and I'm not going to say something, because I'll end up getting myself in trouble here, so. Okay. It's <laughs> not like you. So, Man stabbed during Menage after he refused to change positions. Menage went horribly wrong last Friday when a North Dakota man stabbed a male friend after he refused to switch positions during a tryst with a female, according to court reports. <laughs> Ashley Hunter, aged 33, has been charged with a felony aggravated assault for allegedly stabbing Orlando DeWitt, aged 37, in the arm during the encounter. Hunter, who met DeWitt in prison, invited three women over to his home in the 700 block of 4th Street, North Fargo, on Friday night. The group, including DeWitt, then went drinking at Windbank Bar on 32nd Avenue South. After they returned home, Hunter joined DeWitt and one of the women in a sexual act. When Hunter asked DeWitt to switch positions, he refused and the men began arguing. Hunter then reached into the couch, pulled out what DeWitt described to officers was a butcher knife 12 inches long and wide. In the his wo- couch? In his couch. Right. The woman grabbed her clothing and ran into the bathroom de- with DeWitt, who left his clothes behind. Hunter then began banging on the door, telling him to get out the house. At one point, the door opened and splintered the wood. DeWitt to- told police he decided to run from the door, I'm guessing naked as well, and he did so saying he felt the knife cut his arm. He fled the house and grabbed the woman's phone from the table and he used it to call 911. There you go. <laughs> so basically, he got assaulted with a 12-inch implement then. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> but it was a sharp one. There you go. It wasn't a meaty quite, dagger. Quite, quite incredible. <laughs> So, yeah, that was the best story I could come up with, Dave. Oh, it was, well. uh, was not a lot out there. Oh, well, f- f- fair enough. And interesting nonetheless, Derek. Yes. So, on that note, yes, we will end the podcast. Um, Dave, it's been an eventful podcast, a lot to cover, but yeah. hopefully now, it's, it's good, you know, we're under no illusions. There's a lot of work to do, but hopefully that's us on the road to recovery. We'll see what happens on Sunday with the game against Hearts. In the league, I would like to think we are going to be fine. Europe's maybe a different story, but in the league, I would like to think we'd start getting getting some results, some good performances, seeing entertaining football, because it was actually a joy against Hibs to watch, and we'll see what happens from there. Yeah, I, I am feeling hopeful, Derek. I'm, I'm still a wee, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to stay open-minded, but what I've seen so far from the manager, it maybe looks, you know... Uh, you know that he's he's, he's getting he, his point across. He certainly did in the Hibs game, and and like I said, I was more I was more confident uh, seeing what he did. You know, just even with one or two substitutions in in that last game, being able to change the shape and how we were playing. So, I think the biggest problem we've got now, Derek, is the amount of in- injuries going forward. And you know, Kamar roofs out out again. How many times have we heard that? So. It's we need to start getting players back into the team so that the manager can really assess what he's got in his squad, what he's needing. But it does have a it does have a tough job. But fingers crossed, it all goes well, Derek. Yes. So we will see. Thanks for listening and goodbye. Take care, folks. We'll be back soon. Cheers. And the stadium erupts in red, white, and blue. You've never seen anything like it.
spoke.